This is the Epilogue audio experience. If I have to be successful in anything I want to do, there is no way I can stick with corporate and be successful because I wasn't passionate about it. So you always want to feel that you're still prosperous. So I did whatever I could to make myself feel the best I could. I used to think people come in to learn to dance, but people usually come in to have an outlet. They want, they are either breaking up with their boyfriend or girlfriends or they're getting divorced or, you know, there are a lot of single people. There are a lot of depressed people. I have suicidal people that are taking lessons with me. Um, so there, so I think with what I'm doing, it really gave me an exposure of what people can be going through and just to be able to help them through that. Welcome to the Passion People Podcast. You're listening to Season 2, Episode 25. The Passion People Podcast chronicles stories of people who follow their passion and make it manifest in tangible ways so you can get inspired and get one step closer to what it is that you're passionate about. If this is the first time you're listening to the podcast, you can listen either to an individual episode or start wherever you like based on your interests. Today, we are in conversation with Uttara, who is a Latin dancer and performs and practices a variety of dance styles. In our conversation today, we talk about her transition from being in a cushy product management job at a startup to starting her own business, teaching dance to various people. Her transition from Kathak to the Latin dances that she currently practices, what it means for her to be able to use dance as a medium of expression, the different forms of Latin and ballroom dances and why it's different from the existing dance forms that she practiced, the impact that dance and product management has had on her life. I know that a lot of us are in quarantine and we are locked down due to the coronavirus. I think we are extremely lucky to be able to work from home, have access to food and water and electricity and the internet, given the kind of crisis the world is going through. The crisis is more so hard on small businesses which are reliant on people walking through the door and making purchases and being social. One of these small businesses is a bookstore called Champaka in Bangalore. They are finding it difficult because they've now lost their customers but still have to make fixed payments like salaries and rents. If you're deriving value from the podcast, I'd encourage you to consider buying a gift voucher that will allow you to purchase a book at a later point of time and also support the bookstore. This is a bookstore that's based in Bangalore and you can find more information about it in the show notes. On with the episode. Hello and welcome to the Passion People podcast. I'm so excited to be talking to you. Thank you so much, Naga, for having me here. I really, really, really appreciate the opportunity to, you know, be here and, you know, talk about my experience, my work and hopefully inspire people. (laughs) 
So before we get started, uh, I want to know how you came to know about the podcast and uh, how we came to having this conversation. <laughs> the, my, one of my friends who's going to listen to this is going to be very happy that he's mentioned on this podcast. So <laughs> I have a friend here locally and I've known him for like a lot of years and he's a very passionate person. He is a stand-up comedian. Actually, he's a pharmacist, but he does stand-up comedy on the side. And again, he's a very passionate person. He loves what I'm doing, you know, like not just like, you know, following the conventional path. So he really follows whatever whatever I'm doing, like a great supporter, my cheerleader. And <laughs> he was listening to this podcast. He told me that I should totally listen to this because I could relate to a lot of people and maybe I could be on the podcast. I'm like, what are you saying, Yogi? There's no way I can be on the podcast. And his name is Yogesh, so we call him Yogi. So he's like, no, you should totally listen to this. And, you know, I listened to it and I got such a warm, friendly feeling. It's not like we're talking to celebrities or, you know, very humble, grounded people. And Naga, your energy is so amazing. So uh, that's how I got to, you know, know about this. And I started listening to episodes and it just blew my mind that someone could think of this brilliant idea of having people come together and talk about their passions and, oh my God, inspire each other. That's that's the best part out of, of it. <laughs> You're too nice. <laughs> no, you you're too good, Naga. So what you you said that uh, you know your friend wanted you to listen to the show because you would relate to it. Why do you relate to the show? Um so just to give a short background, I am an ex-engineer. I mean, I do think a little engineering, my logical mind is still very strong, but I did come from an engineering background and after years of training and trying, I finally switched to be able to dance full time. So now a professional ballroom dancer and still trying to get really professional, I would say there's, it's very subjective, but um, I'm basically at the point where actually I switched my life from being an engineer and a software job to owning my own business. I teach and coach and I also professionally compete. So it's a very, it's like a 360 degree turn or 180 degrees uh, whatever you want to call it. Because of that, because I'm so passionate about it and I pursued that for so many years. And there's a lot of people on this show who have been doing that and, you know, learning the perseverance to get to where you want, not give up. And there's a lot of people on the show that have done the same thing. So that is probably one of the biggest things that I could relate to how there's going to be so many hurdles, but you don't have a choice then to keep going. And it's interesting that you say that, uh, you know, you've switched from being an engineer full time to uh, to being a ballroom dancer. So can, can you walk us through that transition? Because it, it seems like it's pretty huge. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I was always into dancing growing up, um, but I did Indian classical, Kathak, and I still love it. I love tabla. Uh, and I grew up dancing, you know, Kathak a long time. I trained for about, you know, about 14 years while I was in India. But like any other Indian, <laughs> I was doing my engineering and I came here for my further studies. I did a master's in computer science in Chicago. And when I was here, I started kind of missing the dancing aspect. And uh, while I was in my undergrad or engineering, I was always listening to these Latin songs. I always had an attraction to be able to dance on a lot of Latin music, but I didn't really know what to do with it at the time. 
So when I came here, I still remember that night very clearly. I was working an on-campus job, you know, as a lab assistant. And one of my really good friends, he actually showed me this video of Patrick Schwazy in Dirty Dancing. <laughs> and when I saw that, I'm like, oh my God, I need to do this. I need to learn how to do this. And they were doing a mambo. So uh, as soon as I graduated, I started taking salsa lessons. And I just love them. But after about two years or so, I started getting really saturated um, because I came from a very technical background. So I wanted like more. I wanted to do more. And um, and then I actually, when I was uh, came back to Pune, I met Rocky, who has a school in, in Pune right now. He's a big uh, Latin uh, school. So he gave me an advice that I should take some professional training if I want to do anything with my dancing. Because I used to think I'm a great dancer until I started ballroom. <laughs> And I went back, I started looking for, you know, official training, like ballroom training. I wanted to do, try different dances and really get into the technical aspect of learning the movement. And then I found my teacher, who is still my coach. Uh, her name is Tommy Giacchino. And she, at the time, owned a studio called Chicago Dance in Chicago. And she uh, found her and they had a teacher training program. So it was a two years diploma. And I was working full time at the time. I'm like, it doesn't matter. I'm going to sign up and see how that goes. So I signed up for the first semester and I got hooked. So I kept doing more and more semesters and I did a whole two year program and I just loved it. That kind of got me into teaching. I wasn't sure I was going to teach. But at the end of the program, because it was a teacher training program, I started teaching. And I started really liking it because it's so rewarding. I didn't realize how rewarding it can be. It just took off from there. And that was just the very, 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 very tip of the iceberg. That was just the very basic foundation of learning a lot of dances. We did a lot of dances, about 16 dances. And that's when my training really began at the end of the diploma because then I started getting into, oh, I want to compete. And then I started looking for partners, but I wasn't good enough, obviously, because everyone in this industry has been doing this since they were like seven years old. So obviously, I was just three years into it. So there is kind of no hope at that point. But then I continued training. I kept finding partners who I can grow with. And I just never stopped. So I spent all my time after, you know, work. I, I had a full-time job. I worked with a lot of startups. So it was very hectic. But I would spend most of my evenings and weekends training or teaching. So it just I just never wanted to stop. So I kept going. And here I am like 10 years later, I think. I started about, yeah, about 10 or 11 years ago. And here I am. I never stopped. And the journey is still not finished. It still feels like the beginning of the journey. And uh, now here I am, quit my corporate job and you know I have a business um, started my own company dance company and I'm teaching full-time and hopefully I can also you know not just coach but make some money from professional competing which I'm still pursuing very actively so that is where I got to this <laughs> wow that seems so quite the journey yeah it was a very exciting journey I can imagine. The question I had was, you said while growing up, you, you danced Kathak and you did some, uh, you explored some classical styles, right? Yeah, just uh, just one classical style that would be Kathak. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. So what, what really made you uh, want to transition out from the classical styles to uh, the American styles of Latin dances? Um, When I started doing Kathak, I really 
honestly was doing it because, okay, you know, I got into dancing and I'm doing dancing and I was dancing on certain type of music or it was just an instrument, which gave me a great foundation. But over a period of time, I think I realized I needed to connect more emotionally to what I'm dancing to. And obviously I could relate more to, you know, the Latin music more or the Western music as we would call it mostly Latin because I really used to love listening to Enrique. So I wanted to be able to dance to a variety of music without being limited. And I really like the whole aspect of partner dancing because it makes it a whole level, different level of fun, but can also make it very challenging. So it was just very difficult for me to emotionally connect to Kathak beyond a point. And I wanted to kind of explore outside of that music so connect with myself through music if that makes sense so latin and ballroom dancing actually helped me find myself and connect with myself the real emotions and the real feelings and every every song has a different energy and you can connect to it um and that's the aspect i really kind of like because it kind of helped me grow who i am as well through that journey you're basically saying that you, you connected and related more to the uh, Latin music than you did the classical music uh, that was with Kathak? Yes, that's one aspect. And also the movement, the variety of movement and the variety of dances that you could learn. And you, you're at a point where you play any song and you can dance to it. That's just amazing. You don't have to be limited with the type of music you're listening to. You can basically get up and dance to anything you like. So that is just mind blowing. <laughs> right, you're you're almost spreading that infectious dancing energy <laughs> here. I, I just want to get up and start dancing. But <laughs> b- before I do that, uh, you had also spoken about the different kinds of uh, variety that these uh, dance styles carry, right? Yeah. That cha cha is uh, you know upbeat, flirty energy. Uh-huh. Rumba is sexy and passionate. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Sure, sure. So there's so many different kinds of dances. Even within Latin here, we have social nightclubs like salsa, bachara, merengue, where people go out to clubs and dance those Latin dances. And there is a whole competitive Latin category. We call it American Rhythm over here. So it has five dances, which is cha-cha, rumba. Then you have an East Coast swing, a bolero, and mambo. So there are like five different types of dances, and you're judged based on you know, what kind of energy you have. Obviously, they have a different rhythm and different movements. You're just on the movement. You're also just on how your personality shows on each of these dances. And then there's also, we call it American Smooth. And these are all Americanized (laughs) dances because there's also International, which is more kind of followed throughout the world. But then we here kind of Americanized it. So it's a different category that we dance in. And then American Smooth consists of a waltz, tango, foxtrot, and Viennese waltz. So all of those have different personalities, different rhythms, different beats. And if you want to compete, you want to have a routine for each of those dances that you have to dance back to back. Wow. So it it all happens all together, all all of the American smooth uh, dances uh, in a performance? In a competition. So if you are competing, if you're a professional and competing in American rhythm, which are the Latin dances, then you have to do all these dances five in a row. So basically, it's like interval training for about eight or nine minutes because that's how long a round lasts. 
So you have to do all of them back to back. And if you're competing in smooth, then you have to do all those four smooth dances like waltz, tango, foxtrot, mini's waltz, back to back. So there is no break in between. It's just back to back. You change the song. You have like a 10, 20, 10 seconds break when the song switches, but then you have to do them <laughs> back to back. So that's what, that's how you judge. That's competitions. And there's also show dances, a show dance category where you can just have a routine on a specific song and you're judged on just the ability to showcase your talent, like just in general. It's all mixed. It's not necessarily one particular dance. Um, and then there's also theater arts, which is all aerial and lifts and more like gymnastics slash dancing. So there's a lot of those categories. Got it. So that means that the dances are very uh, dynamic because A, you have a partner and it's also, it also seems like it's very fast-paced, right? Uh, yeah. So some of the dances are very fast-paced and some of the dances use a lot of control, uh, need a lot of control. Like the slow dances to be able to move certain movements is just a lot of control because you're going so slow, you have to maintain your balance. So that is what makes it very fascinating that you can't train for just one thing. You have to be able to do so many different kinds of movements. You should be able to go fast and then stop, or you should be able to go so slow that you can control being up on the tippy toes for a long time without really being heavy on your partner. So it's very fascinating the kind, how you have to train your body because it's so, I would say, it's so broad range of movement that you have to learn. It takes years to develop for the same reason because you're not just doing one dance, you're doing a variety of dances and you need to be able to do the technique for all of them. And then you work with partners. So there's a whole element of partner dancing where there's a lot of physics involved because then you're, you know, counterbalance, off balance. Uh, so that's very fascinating. The whole connection aspect with the partner, the physical and then emotional is a whole different level of fun and challenge depending on <laughs> what kind of partner you get. <laughs> right. World of these dances and the American rhythm and the American smooth seems like a completely different one than the... IT slash product management job yeah. that you used to do, right? Yeah. So why did you do that transition? Like, weren't you happy just doing uh, your, your job full-time and maybe doing this on the weekend or just doing this like a social gig or something like that? Right. What, what was it that made you want to do this full-time? Right, right, right. I mean, I I got into engineering because there's no other choice. Definitely Indian. <laughs> so there was only two options, either medicine or engineering. And I didn't want to go to medicine. <laughs> I really didn't want to study those fat books. And so I got into engineering and it's just something, you know, we, at the time we were not really thinking, oh, what do I want to do with my life? You know, and I got into it, which is, I am not uh, repenting it. I am very happy that I did it because it set the base for who I am today and what I'm doing today. So I'm very thankful and grateful for that experience as well. And I got into it because it taught me logic. It taught me structure. It taught me how to build a business just because I've been in corporate for so long and product management for so long. It helped me. I mean, I built my own website. I did my own marketing. It helped me set the base for the business. But then I also had that really creative side of me. And I love fitness and I love dancing. I love music. And ballroom dances encompasses everything. It's a sport, which not a lot of people know. We call it dance sport. So it needs extreme athleticism. And I love fitness. Growing up, my dad has is been a mountaineer. So we were very fit into sports growing up. And I love music. My mom sings. 
So it's a great combination of everything. And I'm crazy about all of this. So why not? And with software, I was, I was good at it, but I was doing it because I had to at the time because it was paying for all my training because the training is very expensive. So I, I just realized there's, if I have to be successful in anything I want to do, there is no way I can stick with corporate and be successful because I wasn't passionate about it. I just couldn't get myself to invest more time and energy in learning more technologies, learning new ways to build a product. I just wanted to think about how I can dance better or how I can be fitter or be a better athlete. I think in order to be successful, you have to be fully invested. And I wouldn't be able to do that. I wouldn't have been able to do that with my corporate job. Plus, like the stresses of the corporate politics that was really, really starting to wear on me. And I wanted to build something of my own. So a variety of reasons. But I think I would say baseline, I was just not passionate enough to put in the work that you need to be successful. Right. There's this one thing that maybe I would uh, see differently here was that, uh, you know, I, I am someone who has a very passionate about doing this podcast, but I also really like my job. So I, I feel like I'm one of those uh, different category of people who, who just end up doing both for a long time and my job ends up subsidizing my passion right so even though so i'm not really forced uh from from a monetary standpoint but i still have the flexibility Correct. and the the other part is that one kind of feeds into the other for me so uh, i know i might be interviewing yes. a guest for the podcast yes and they could also end up being my client uh for, for my professional work and the other way around yeah 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 and i can totally relate to that yeah go ahead so my question to you is how does dance relate to life right now like what what kind of life lessons have you now taken from from dance huh. and the second question is how has your product management job how have you brought that into your uh, career as a as a dance <laughs> coach and a performer very very interesting question but i want to you know to your point i wanted to also say um about you know that having the work as well as dancing i think now that i'm thinking about it uh, one of the reasons I couldn't do both is because the amount of time that I do require to train is just a lot. There is, I mean, I was at a point where I was, you know, starting my day at 7 a.m. And my day would end at 10 or 11 p.m. in the night. And I did that for like a long time, for a lot of years until I quit uh, corporate. So it was very difficult for me to have that going for such a long time. That, okay, I make money during the day and then I'm training. And so literally I had zero social life for a very long time. And beyond a point, you want to basically fully emotionally invest. It was a little hard for me to switch from being an engineer product manager during the day and then going out there and switching to a dancer, if that makes sense. That brain focus, it was very difficult for me a lot of times to just switch my mind and my body to get into that zone. And the amount of practice I would need to do or the amount of training I would need to do is just not enough with a full-time job. I was so burnt out. <laughs> so that was the reason. And, and of course, I am more passionate about this. So why not? So I took my time to get to where I can switch and then I switched. So I kind of sucked it up for a long time until, you know, I was not able to monetarily support switching. But as soon as I thought I could, I switched it. Got it. So you, you kind of planned it for a, for a long time where you were doing both. And then 
eventually when uh, when you figured that you were able to sustain yourself financially that's that's what gave you the courage to finally make the dive yeah i mean i knew uh, from the beginning that i don't want to be in corporate i knew i want to do something with dancing either teach or you know or perform and you know i want to make a living out of being a dancer and an athlete so um that was just a temporary phase while i was getting my training where you know i can do that so it took me a few attempts before i actually did it <laughs> to be able to actually do it but at one point after i moved here to virginia i was in chicago for about 14 years and then i moved to virginia and the last job that i ha- i had again because i always joined startups i got laid off i got uh, you know about two and a half months of severance and and at that point i was at a point where like i just cannot go back to doing a full time job because i want to dance so then i started looking for part time gigs and luckily i got a product part time gig so i was working like about 10 or 12 hours a week doing a, being a product management consultant and i started building my business on the side so i did that for a year so it was a cut in you know the income coming in but it was sustainable i could live with it by cutting down expenses and i had to take that plunge so the first year then i could you know i sustain because i had something going on on the side with the product consulting so that was that was making good amount of money and then i built the business and then as of last year it's completely full time so i was at a point where i could sustain myself so i had to take measures in my life where i get into a smaller apartment so my monthly expenses are very very minimal so i can spend more on my training and dancing so there were things that i had to do but it wasn't as crazy that i feel like i'm living <laughs> you know i don't know what i'm doing in life and i'm just like living out of a you know of a small room in someone's place i i have a good space and i found a way to get into it slowly and finally i'm here where i can completely support myself it took about 2 years to get there but yeah so it wasn't that drastic i kind of planned it in a way that i can still live some kind of a lifestyle that i had before not just from monetary purposes but it really affects you emotionally or energetically if you're living a certain way it makes you feel down and uh depressed right so you always want to feel that you're still prosperous so i did whatever i could to make myself feel the best i could at the time it wasn't that bad i think if you plan it right you don't have to give up everything and be in a bad shape to try to come up you can kind of transition it you know in a with a process if that makes sense do, do you also want to answer the other question yes. in terms of how Can you remind me the second yes. question? <laughs> so the, the second question is how uh, how does dance mimic or uh, how how does your dance impact the way you look at life currently? Oh right. Uh, as against how you used to look at it before. And this, uh, the part of the same question is how have you uh, rolled in your uh, product management and your technology expertise to your dancing gig? With dancing overall, you know, even when I was in corporate, um, like I have probably grown as a person so much more in the last about two or three years than I have in the last ten years. I would say one of the things that I really got exposed to when I started teaching is when people come in. I used to think people come in to learn to dance, but people usually come in to have an outlet. they want they are either breaking up with their boyfriend or girlfriends or they're getting divorced or you know there are a lot of single people there are a lot of depressed people i have suicidal people that are taking lessons with me 
Um, so there, so I think with what I'm doing, it really gave me an exposure of what people can be going through and just to be able to help them through that is made a huge impact on my life because I feel rewarded at the end of every single day. So I'm looking at dancing, not just as dancing, you know, what we're doing through lessons is really some. And it's we we say oh yeah dancing is a stress relief but it's not really a cliche it really is because there's music involved there's movement involved so it generates endorphins there's partnering involved so you're dancing with someone and you're basically exchanging your energies so all of those combination when someone comes in for a lesson and walks out it's a completely different person me having seen seen that is really affecting my energy levels because. I don't get tired at the end of the end of the day. I'm so energized at the end of the day. Versus when I was in corporate, I would be so down from the from from the day, from the politics, from people, you know, throwing you under the bus. My energy would be so low. But once I started teaching dancing, I've become a different person because, you know, I'm giving and it's coming back. Is that making sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so basically, <laughs> your your net energy by the end of the day is so much more because you feed off the energy of the people yes. that you work with. Yes. And you can see the difference that dance is bringing into their lives. Absolutely. And of course, there are days when we as teachers, the difference between a good teacher and a not so good teacher is what you give. So of course, I expend a lot of my energy a lot of my energy to transfer it to them so they can get my positive energy and feel good. So a lot of times, yes, you do feel fatigued and you feel you are, you know, you don't have physical energy, but emotionally you're charged. And for that, for in order to like recollect, that's why I have to do a lot of meditations because I think if I'm not the kind of a person who I am, I cannot be a good teacher. So you have to be a better person to be a better teacher. Not So teaching is not just dancing. It's about being a better person through dancing. So for that aspect, I got into a lot of spirituality over the last two years. And I've been just invested a lot in personal growth. And that has definitely shown in my work. And I see that every day. And I continue to invest in that every single day. Because without that, you don't have success. I love that. I love how seriously you take your job <laughs> and how much responsibility you carry on your shoulders. No, and it, it, I, I, I believe that your students are truly lucky. Oh, thank you. Not for the dance, but for the sense of responsibility that you bring to the role that you have. Thank you so much, Naga. Same is the case with you. What you're doing through this podcast is what I'm doing through my teaching. Yep. And I could totally relate to what you said when you said that the energy that they have, it rubs off on you and uh-huh. it's the same here. Yeah. You know, your energy is rubbing off on me and uh, vice versa. So it, it's all about just making sure that you're, you're ending your day better off than how you started it. Yes. And you're better off today than what you were yesterday and having an impact of on people around you and not just on some bunch of code or on a particular product. You're absolutely right. And your energy, Nagaf, is like I said, is so humble and grounded, but it's so positive. And I'm sure all of us who have been on this podcast really appreciate that and feed off of that you make us feel so comfortable and we just like absorbing that energy from you (laughs) so we're feeling very comfortable being on this podcast when there's so many listeners listening to you so i appreciate that a lot 
you have just taken away my next question from <laughs> me where i generally ask you how 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 it feels to be on the podcast but no, i'm i'm really happy happy to do that and i'm i'm really glad that uh, uh, you got a chance to share your journey and uh, for us to have this conversation yeah absolutely and i don't want to miss out on your last question that you asked how is the product management really relating to what i'm doing and uh-huh. i actually it's interesting you asked me that question because i was actually thinking of writing a book on how to use uh agile for wedding dance planning because <laughs> we did a lot oh, wow. <laughs> because uh we you know like so there's social dancers there's competitive dancers and there's wedding dancers so wedding dancers are the ones who just come in take a few lessons and then they leave right so when it comes to wedding dancers you really have to know okay how many lessons are we going to do and within those lessons how i'm going to plan those lessons it's a lot of project planning so i want to know out of seven lessons okay one lesson i'm going to keep it for the practice you're not going to learn anything the first two lessons i'm going to teach them the foundation the next two lessons maybe some fun we need one lesson for clean up just to get some practice and clean up and then one lesson for practice so it's a lot of planning that goes into wedding couples because they're on a tight schedule and we literally have to have a plan otherwise we're not going to get through because there's so much going on during the wedding so that whole project management aspect really really helps me plan my couples and when they're out of the program like the whole wedding lessons they are ready they're ready to go perform without being nervous without you know because you have to also plan for them being cheered by other people so i create all these scenarios where people are shouting i dim the lights so they feel like they're in the spotlight so you know so it really that whole project ma- or product slash project management background really helps me plan my wedding couples and then competitive dancers you want to think more like a product <laughs> so you're just thinking what can i do to increase the quality of the product so it's not just planning you don't really have a deadline necessarily but let's think about what do we really need to work on what is the first important thing and we spend time on building quality if that makes sense and social dances are kind of a mix they have some events like going on in between so we have to have some kind of a plan for a little bit then we take time and work on the movement a little bit more so for me competitive dancing is obviously more fascinating because it's like building a product and when you see your students actually become who they are you feel so proud so i like spending time on quality of movement and talking the details wedding couples project planning you don't have time to get into details you want to build something bare minimum just like a prototype that you can just go out and you know just show it to the audience and that's it that's the that's the amount of time you have so it's it's funny how i relate to that <laughs> every single day oh my god i have to do more project planning here okay i have this competitive student that's awesome we're going to spend like an hour talking about this put action here that feels great <laughs> so yeah so that's how i can see i can totally write a book about how to apply agile for wedding couples wedding dancing <laughs> that's amazing i love how we can use ideas from one totally unrelated domain yes. in a completely other domain and connect these things together and that's what that that's what i find really fascinating so you know that that's a really nice answer that you gave there thank you i would be i would be keen to uh, help you uh, help you edit 
or go through drafts of the book whenever <laughs> uh, it's going to be out. So yeah. <laughs> you, you have my word for that. That would be very interesting, never unheard of, you know. So I'm going to, you know, I hope no one takes this idea from me. <laughs> but I'm sure you can relate to this too, Naga, because it's such a cross training, right? That you're doing like two jobs. Like you mentioned earlier, yeah. like you're doing something in podcasts that you're applying to your job and then your job is applying to your podcast. Yes, no, no, no doubt about that. And uh, so, Uthra, in in uh, as as we conclude uh, our our podcast, where can where can people reach out to you in case they want to talk to you more, in case they want to know more about your journey, yeah. or they just want to say hi and that your energy is infectious. <laughs> and they're very welcome. Please reach out to me um, because I love helping people, helping them if they need any guidance. I can whatever I can do. Not that I'm an expert, but I try. Uh, but you can reach me. I can give you my email address. You can reach me on Facebook. Uh, you can also reach me on my website, which is dancewithpanash.com. And I can give you all that information. So Instagram as well. I have an Instagram. So I have all sorts of sources. Feel free to reach out. Please do reach out. Fantastic. I'll I'll make sure that I put all the links for how people can reach out to you on the show notes. So for the people tuning in uh, to reach out to Uttara, please check out the show notes. Uthra, thank you so much for being such a lovely guest and uh, for the amazing energy that you bring. Thank you so much, Naga, for having me. I mean, the energy, your energy is infectious. So my energy is what it is because of you. So thank you so much. Hey guys, thanks for tuning into the show. We appreciate you taking the time out for this. If you like what you heard, please share this with a few friends and leave a review rating on your favorite podcaster. This will help more people learn about the podcast. Until next time, this is Krithika from the Passion People podcast wishing you a wonderful week ahead. Stay passionate. Cheers.